It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Tua Tonga Valoa, along with Gatorade, made a splash in the South Florida community yesterday. We have a Dolphins injury to a rookie reporting to camp to report and a way too early draft sleeper to put on your radar here today on Locked On Dolphins. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Today's Wednesday, July 19th. 2023. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with Joe Marino. I want to thank you guys who keep it locked in with us on a daily basis because it is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. We have a litany of topics today, so we're going to pop the tab here on an energy drink. I'm going to take a swig. We're going to get rolling here. Starting first and foremost, Tua Tungvaloa, along with Gatorade, yesterday made a bit of a splash, uh, donating $65,000 in sports equipment to Miami Edison High School. So this was Tua, along with Gatorade's Equality and Sports Program, and the nonprofit charity Good Sports. $65,000 in sports equipment to Miami Edison. Just an awesome, uh, awesome act. And that's, I think, one of the things that, when I think back to when I was writing at USA Today's Dolphins Wire um, for their their vertical, and you're charged with writing five to seven topics on a daily basis year-round, right? You, you, you got to go digging to find some subjects to talk about. And I remember the two years that I did that, and it was 19 and 20. The Dolphins were at such a forefront of being active in the community and I'm looking across all of these other team verticals for USA today. And I'm, I'm wondering, you know, is that what everybody else is doing with their content right now? And then the NFL 100 season happens and it comes and goes and you realize uh, not every team is as engaged. Every team has connections to their community. Every team makes efforts to give back to their community, but the dolphins were something special. And to see, um, just another example of the Dolphins and their players being involved in their community and giving back to their community, I think is really, really cool. Uh, so $65,000 in sports equipment to Miami Edison uh, for Tua Tungvaloa along with Gatorade and Good Sports. And Tua, uh, with that opportunity to you know make that donation and be around some of the high school kids, um, made a point to... Uh, he was asked to sit down and, and talk with the media. And he, he talked about a litany of things. He talked about um, what they have on offense this year, the potential of the team. He talked about himself personally. And, and he, you know, he, he even said so himself on his social media account uh, when he posted his, his wife on their one year anniversary and says, I, I try to keep not one to talk about my public life effectively or private life effectively is what Tua said. And you got to kind of hear him talk about 
family and how it's changed him. And it's made me as somebody who has a two-year-old, two-and-a-half-year-old daughter at home and um, appreciate some of, of the growth and experiences that Tua Tagovailoa is going through that we don't necessarily get to see a lot of because he is private with his private life. And um, I understand why he was a prodigy. Uh, in high school, he goes to Alabama, throws a game-winning touchdown pass in the national championship game. He is this obsessive sports culture. Uh, I read the YouTube comments on some of my, my shows and get turned off. I can't imagine being to a tongue of a low and getting on social media and seeing what people for five years, the polarizing back and forth. So I get, I get the private life. But uh, I have the story up. Uh, from Safadine with USA Today. Uh, and I know there were a, a number of stories that were written about Tua and the interviews that he provided uh, with, uh, with that event in Gatorade. And I know Joe Shad did an excellent story as well. But I have the one up from Safad just to uh, read some of the quotes from Tua and this, this exchange that he had with the media. Uh, he was asked, first of all, we'll, we'll touch on 2023, the season. And then I want to finish with Tua Tungvalu, the person. I think we have a chance to do something really, really special. Last year was special. Let's not take away from that. But I think this year we can do something much more special than we did last year if we get all our minds in the right place. And he would go on to kind of talk about uh, the mentality with the ball in your hands, the attention to detail, bringing everybody else back. Uh, and it was good perspective. Uh, he said, I think the coolest thing about it is we're coming back. This is my first time coming back in a year where the offense hasn't changed. It's been the same. There might be minor changes, but it's not drastic changes where I have to relearn an offense, relearn what the coaches want, what they expect of me. And it really helps with the rhythm of everything because the receivers know most of what we've got installed and there's a comfort level there. Um, and then if you've listened to the Play Callers podcast from Jordan Rodriguez, courtesy of The Athletic, that includes Mike McDaniel, um, you can kind of construct what the thought process is for the team coming into this year. and how much trust there is and how important trust is with this scheme to be able to execute it successfully. So for the familiarity component to be here and for the players to affirm this and for other coaches in other systems that are highly successful offenses across the leagues kind of affirm that the timing and, and the trust is a super high factor in the success of the offense People have asked the question, where the Dolphins better on the offensive side of the ball? I think it's depth from a talent perspective. But I didn't think they were hurting for talent, last top-end talent last year. Now, they didn't have the representation in the Jeremy Fowler ESPN polling of league executives on the offensive side of the ball that I thought that they might. Uh, Tua was an honorable mention quarterback. Jane Lomato was an honorable mention wide receiver. Teron Armstead was an honorable mention offensive tackle. Tyreek Hill was the fourth. Some bozo in the league on the NFC called him a vertical gadget guy. Okay, sure. You can call Tyreek Hill a vertical gadget guy, be my guest. But I think that's reading between the lines. That's the expectation is that there's another level to tap into here. And, and you've seen examples of that and all the stops from the Shanahan tree along the way. And, and that includes Atlanta with Matt Ryan and what they did with talent that was largely the same and San Francisco and how it took a little while to gel. So that's the Dolphins offensively. Now, Tua himself talking about uh, what life was like 
uh, before his family and how his family has kind of changed his perspective. And I appreciate this because some of this hits home for me too. You know, I'm, I'm somebody who's, I've been in football coverage for 10 years. I don't have a degree in journalism. Uh, I was a student of the game who got hurt and couldn't play to the level of competition that he was hoping to. I never would have made it to the league. Let's make no bones about that. Like 215 ran like a 4-8. So I, I wasn't going anywhere, right? Um, but I knew it wasn't done with the game. So I make these own pursuits and uh, I'm in my early 20s and I commit myself to effectively being an entrepreneur and then learning the game and getting mentored where I can get mentored and hustling. And now it's it's 10 years later and I, you know, my daughter's two and a half and it puts a lot of stuff in perspective for what matters and what doesn't and having uh, the right perspective on things and not sweating the things that you're not able to control. And, and Tua himself said um, yesterday when talking, and this is quoted with uh, the Safed Dean piece on USA Today, for me having my kid throughout that entire season last year, Nothing mattered to me whether I played good or bad, whether I threw six touchdowns or brought the team back, or if I threw six interceptions. I knew I was coming back home to my son, and he was going to want me to embrace him. And I think perspective of everything sort of changed how I go about doing things in a way. I think it's essentially growing up. You get to a point where nothing else matters. And, of course, you care. Like, I care about making the best podcast that I can, too. And to put myself in two issues, like, I'm, I can't possibly compare it to being the starting quarterback of an NFL franchise. But to be so obsessive over that, and he said that too. He said, I would come home to this big house and that's it. I would go into that house with my thoughts and that's it. I bask in my thoughts. If my family's in there, I just think that's basically it. That's what I am. I'm a thinker. I try to be critical before things happen too. Talking about life before marriage and having a child. And I think Tua, everything about him is this really fascinating, I think, you know, sports psychology and the, the human component of the game of football that, you know, you kind of continue to get the affirmations of that. And then you think about what his early formative experiences like were in the league and it can't help but make you root for him. I know there's some Dolphins fans out there that like, they don't want to root for him because they don't want him to be their quarterback anymore, but just, just root for the team. Right. Like, I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan, but like to actively root against an individual uh, who went through the kind of dynamics that he went through. I can't help but feel like I, I want it to be successful. And if it's successful, everybody's going to get what they want, which is the Dolphins to win. So I try not to talk too much to it because people get crazy talking about to it, talking below. And I can't imagine, like I try to be as objective as I can and honest as I can. And like you offer honest critiques about his game and people tell you that you hate him. And then you say, you think he's a top eight to 12 quarterback in the NFL. And people tell you they're an idiot because you're a homer and you love him. So I enjoyed the gift along with Gatorade and good sports. I enjoyed his perspective, not so much on the team because I didn't think it was anything we didn't already know and you couldn't read the lines anywhere else, but to hear two of the person talk gave me an appreciation for two because as, as a fellow young dad, whose child changed their perspective on like how you go about doing things and the perspective in your career versus your perspective in like the big picture in life. Uh, I enjoy it. And hopefully somebody else who, who might be in the same shoes finds themselves enjoying it as well because they can connect with it as well. We are going to talk about uh, Zeke Vandenberg, uh, who went on IR yesterday. That was announced by the team. That's next here on Locked on Dolphins. Before we go any further, though, got to take your first swing 
for betting Major League Baseball with our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And you can get up to 10 times back your first bet amount and bonus bets up to $200. That's right. You bet 20 bucks on a game, you'll get $200 back, win or lose, with our friends over at FanDuel. That's $200 that you can spend on the money line to who do you think is going to hit the first home run or the game total, you name it. All on an app that is safe, secure, super easy to use. And best of all with FanDuel, when you win, you get paid out instantly. You don't got to wait. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So Zeke Vandenberg, uh, season is over before it starts. Uh, It was announced and Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald reported that he... um, had suffered a season-ending injury while training. So what does that mean for Zeke Vandenberg, and what does that mean for the Dolphins? Well, first of all, for Zeke, it's a bummer, right? Uh, Zeke is a 24-year-old undrafted rookie out of Illinois State. He won the Buck Buchanan Award last year. He was first-team All-Missouri Valley uh, Conference. And as a pass rusher, I think Vandenberg obviously showed a certain level of productivity with 14 sacks last year and 21 tackles for loss uh, that you would obviously get excited about as a hybrid type player. He's a little undersized. He's in the 230, 240 range as a pass rush outside linebacker type. Um, I thought Vandenberg was going to struggle with length in his efforts to make this team. And I didn't know that he was kind of the twitched up athlete that say Andrew Van Ginkle is that would, and Van Ginkle was a fifth round pick that allowed him to kind of lean on his speed and agility as both a special teams player and as a uh, pass rusher. So for Vandenberg specifically, uh, what this is going to give you the opportunity to do on injured reserve is the Dolphins can taxi you to next year if they want. Like his season for the Dolphins with this contract is definitively over. You go on IR at this stage in the game, you can't come off. You would have to get cut completely, go through waivers, and then somebody else would have to sign you to a brand new contract. So that's a bummer for Vandenberg. Um, I think it's not necessarily a bad thing and that he gets to be incubated on the roster all year, and you can kind of run with it and and give him a chance next year with a a year of development after healing, obviously. He's got to heal, and and we hope that goes well for him. but this also opens up a roster spot, and it is about 8 a.m. on Wednesday morning right now. Nothing's been committed to yet. Obviously, everybody's question 
is if the Dolphins are going to add a veteran running back to their running back room, i.e. Dalvin Cook. We're getting close here. Uh, we are less than a week away from veterans reporting to camp. I know Dalvin is still training with Nick Hicks uh, in South Florida. I saw a video from Nick the other day. I think it was yesterday that had Dalvin Cook. And Nick appropriately captioned it like fine wine, right? Getting better with age. Um, the Dolphins, I think, are still the leaders in the clubhouse. I think this entire waiting game has been Miami has put an offer on the table that is competitive with the rest of offers that are out there. If it wasn't and somebody blew the doors off, he'd have signed already. You get the sense that he does want to play for the Dolphins, uh, but you're hoping either the money comes up or that an injury happens elsewhere and it forces the money to come up. And that's kind of the unfortunate situation for Dalvin not being tethered to a team right now that he finds himself in is you're, you're kind of biding your time, hoping you find some leverage. And as you look across the NFL right now, you don't find a lot of leverage for backs right now. Uh, there is a lot of unhappy running backs between Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs being on the franchise tag. Apparently Saquon Barkley and the giants were within one to $2 million and couldn't get it done. I probably would have taken the deal. Uh, Josh Jacobs was sitting in his car in the parking lot with Max Crosby in case it got done before the deadline on Monday, and that didn't get done. And then you see Austin Eckler taking to social media and Christian McCaffrey taking to social media and Derrick Henry taking to social Like These dudes are ticked off. And I understand it. I, I think the, the mechanics of the position are tough. And this is not meant to be a running back economics discussion because I don't have the solution. I really don't. Um, it is the position where the shelf life or, or the uh, the wall can come rather quickly. And teams don't want to get locked into a Todd Gurley or Ezekiel Elliott situation. Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley, by the time they played the first year of their new deals, they had already withered away. And it's like, shoot, well, we, we shouldn't have giving you the contract extension in the first place and should have just rode with you year by year and given you the franchise tag. Had you play on the fifth year option, your fourth year, your rookie contract, your fifth year option and your franchise tag. And we'd have saved a lot of money and not had the dead cap. So backs, their premier years are on their rookie contract at a higher degree of consistency than other positions. And then teams are going to say, we're not going to pay you for what you did. We're going to pay for what you're going to do. And we don't know how long you're going to do what you do. So for Dalvin, I say all that to say this, I, th I think a one year deal for Dalvin cook is the most likely scenario and let Dalvin kind of go back into the market, hopefully with a good year uh, where you have all 32 teams before they've made other commitments to their running back rooms. And I think that would put him in a position to maximize whatever his next contract's going to be. Uh, but I, I, I'd be surprised if he signs for anything more than one year, and I think it's probably four to five million with incentives on top of it. I'll be fascinated to see if they buy somebody else before now in the start of, of veterans reporting to camp, if they just leave the roster spot open or if the Dalvin Cook shoe drops. I think it's close, personally. Like you, you're only going to wait so long, and I think you're if you're going to play on a one-year deal that is effectively a prove-it situation, it would behoove you 
to not miss the first few weeks of camp when you're playing on a new team and have to learn a new set of teammates and offensive line. So I think we're close. And, and as of right now, the Dolphins are sitting here with an, act, an open roster spot at their disposal with placing uh, Zeke Vandenberg on injured reserve. So that's your latest rookie storyline. And, and to bring us to a close today, I actually have a next year rookie observation. And it might seem like a surprise for me to mention a rookie for the 2024 draft class. But I have a feeling you'll probably understand why when I tell you who he is. Here next, Locked on Dolphins. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Oronde Gadsden II. Tight end, University of Syracuse. This guy's on my radar. And obviously, he was born in Miramar. He played for uh, Pat Sertain at American Heritage. He goes to Syracuse. He's a wide receiver. He's six foot five, two hundred and twenty pounds. Chip off the old block for his dad. Obviously, Ronde Gadsden caught those touchdown passes in the late nineties, early two thousands. Some of the best one-handed catches you will ever see on a sizzle reel. Oronde Gadsden. His son, six foot five, 220 pounds. I think he's more fluid and, and more explosive than his dad. He participated in hurdles. Uh, one, one track meets in, I think, the 300 hurdles in high school. Goes to Syracuse. He's a wide receiver. Transitions to tight end last year. Leads the country in tight end receiving yards. More than Brock Bowers, more than everybody else. It was Oronde Gatson II had the most receiving yards, over 900 receiving yards uh, amongst tight ends last year. He rewrote the Syracuse tight end record books for receptions and yardage. He had the most amount of receptions for a sophomore in Syracuse program history. And he's a tight end. And we're going through the process where we're kind of bulking up on weight a little bit. We need to get more comfortable with the physicality. But if you want a subplot for college football this season and something to root for, hope that Aronde Gaston II stacks on. He, he probably needs about 15 to 20 pounds worth of weight on his frame to play tight end at the NFL level because he's real long and wiry. But this dude, <laughs> he will go above the rim. He will put you on a poster just like his dad. He's got super strong hands just like his dad. He runs those crossing routes across the middle with no fear, just like his dad. He can get vertical. You see him winning routes from the slot and getting vertical down the field, caught a game winner uh, this past year in the final minute of the game on a downfield corner route to the front pylon. Uh, just a, a really, really fascinating player to watch from a wide receiver to tight end conversion standpoint. But then you also stack in the storyline of Oh, yeah, he's a Ronde Gadsden's kid. If it doesn't make you feel old like it does for me, uh, 
good on you. It makes me feel old, but it's also super fun to watch him play. And I think he is that athletic blend of if the Dolphins, again, you know, Elijah Higgins, we'll see if Tanner Connor materializes this year, but like that's the kind of player I think he can be. And you start forecasting that out and you say, okay, like if the Dolphins are really going to be this vertical offense, they're going to be spread and they want these blockers that are, are wide receiver tight end flex types that can crack down and you know, watch to see how he does with that this year. Because if he does well, you know, you've got uh, Eric Sauberts on a one-year deal. Tyler Cross on a one-year deal. We don't know what we have in Tanner Connor. You obviously have Elijah Higgins. You drafted him. He's going to make the team. You've got all these guys that kind of fall into this limbo status, and you've seen them go after a few guys that kind of are the same athletic build. So just food for thought. Uh, if you're looking for a college football storyline, obviously when you have a, a Dolphins alumni who's, whose kid is passing through, uh, you're going to want to see them have success. Obviously, we have so many positive memories, just like with Pat Sertain and, and his son, obviously a cornerback and, and arguably the best cornerback in the league for the Denver Broncos. Um, you think about Aronde Gadsden and the catch over the middle uh, that he had against the Jets. You think about the game when he touched down pass from Dan Marino. I think it was his first career touchdown against the Colts uh, in the, the final minute of the game. You think about the one-handed Odell Beckham before Odell Beckham catch against the Raiders uh, in the second half of that game. Obviously they were losing big at that point, but he goes up and fingertips the nose of the football with three hands falling backwards. And a um, lot of, a lot of good memories with Aronde Gaston. So uh, his son is very much a baller for Syracuse. And I think could, there's some puzzle pieces here that I think you could fit within the picture. The dolphins are currently trying to put together. So just food for thought, but that is going to do it for us here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. It is your team every day. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. We talked Tua. We talked Dalvin Cook. We talked Zeke Vandenberg. We talked Aranda Gadsden and his son. We covered a lot of ground here, so uh, my day's just starting. So I'm going to hit on this energy drink a little bit. Hope you guys make it a great rest of your day. Fins up. I'll talk to you all again tomorrow. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.